Hello, happy people. Welcome to the Profitable Happiness Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Pillay with the Profitable Happiness Podcast. And it is my pleasure to introduce you today to Jessica Simpson, um, who is an SPHR. And by the way, I happen to know what that is. That is a very good and powerful accreditation in the human resources field. Jessica, how are you doing today? It's a pleasure to meet you. I am fabulous, and it is a pleasure to be here with you. Oh, thank you so much. By the way, remind me again, you are in California right now. Is that is that what you said? Yes, Oakland, California. Oakland. Now, did you say the Bay Area? Yes. Okay, and of course, I'm in Austin, just to keep it fair. But you mentioned something that I thought was interesting. Um, you mentioned that you feel some people are or there's been a little bit of an exodus away from California or the Bay Area as a result of COVID-19. Um, so maybe during our conversation, if you don't mind, I'd love you to share a little bit about what your take on that human exodus might be. You know, um, I'd love to learn more about that. But but before we sure. get to that, yeah, but before we get to that, tell us who you are. What's your story? How did you become <laughs> the leadership <laughs> development expert that you are today? <laughs> you know, it's funny, um, when I was in my corporate career and people used to ask, uh, how did you get into HR? Um, I used to always say, like, I, I think I've been planning for it or preparing for it my whole life. <laughs> um, I So one, I'll share one story with you. Um, and it's my my family when I was uh, when I was young, my my mom and um, stepfather and and younger brothers. My uh, we'd moved to a small town. We were a military family, and we'd moved to a small town that wasn't particularly friendly to a mixed race couple with biracial kids. And I remember um, a, a man being really um, angry about our existence. <laughs> and he was yelling obscenities at us and, and spit at us. He was oh that angry. Um, yeah. And, uh, but fast forward, I, I remember my mom saying, like, you know how it feels to be on the receiving end of that kind of treatment. So don't ever let me catch you <laughs> making someone else feel that way. Mm -hmm. So I think that um, experience kind of growing up in this mixed race family influenced a lot of the work that I went on to do. And maybe the other is um, being, being the eldest child in the family. Um, my stepdad would often be gone for work and my mom traveled heavily for work too. And so the eldest, you know, take care of the, take care of the house and kids while, while the adults are gone. And I, I remember a, a particular point in time when I was um, running errands for my mom while she was gone, I had to get her check and pay the bills and go buy groceries. And I remember realizing that there wasn't enough money mm. to pay for everything. And, and as an adolescent, you know, trying to figure out what am I going to do? Is there something I cannot pay? Is there something, you know, like, how do I make this money stretch? And I, I share both of those stories because I think a lot of my early life and career decisions were motivated by this desire to not have some of the experiences are to not recreate some of the more difficult experiences from when I was growing up. Wow. What, what, <laughs> what great stories. And, you know, I, I completely 
felt like I was in those stories because, you know, I, my, my mother, okay, is a, my stepmother is a Caucasian um, lady from Minnesota and my father is a, a Nigerian <laughs> from West Africa. So I grew up in, in a very similar situation to what you've described. And I hate to say this, but I've been in that situation where someone, you know, spoke to me a certain way and even down to the spit. <laughs> it was yes. very close, yeah. quote, very angry. I'm like, wait a second, she's telling my story. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were just walking, you yeah. know, from, from a store to the car and, yeah, and just yeah. the existence of our family, you know, yeah, was, it's was just, so unacceptable. It's such a sad thing. And and in my case, a police officer came over and asked us to leave. <laughs> Not the not the guy who was who was causing a problem, but we'll we'll talk about that in another yeah. another section or maybe some other time. But the the point I I wanted to highlight is your story is just so true to you, obviously, but it connected even with me. Um, so you did not want to recreate um any of mm-hmm. the situations that you found yourself in, so. Why HR? Was there something about people? By the way, we share that background. You know, I've been <laughs> I've been uh, in human resources as well. Um, what what was it for you that put you directly into HR? Yeah, I was I was really inspired by the idea. So I'm I'm one of the few people who actually chose HR. <laughs> you know, as my career path, like yeah. I went to school for it. I picked it, and I think it was a, a boss I had when I was in the Air Force who pointed out to me that we show up at work with with all of our life experiences Mm. and that we spend so much time at work that if we can create workplaces that heal not harm and if if we can create a space where people get the support and resources they need to be the best version of themselves Mm. like work can actually be something that transforms people's lives And so I just thought, like, how cool of a thing would it be (laughs) to be able to do that, to create those kinds of spaces for people? Yeah. No, no, I I, I couldn't agree more. For me, the the reason was because I took a look at all my skills and I said, you know what? I think I like the people thing best. (laughs) So so whatever that is, if if people are involved, you know, that's me. So that's why I went in that direction. Um, So here we are today. You have moved on a little bit from the corporate experience and you've taken yeah you've taken the 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 plunge I like to call it into the entrepreneurial world tell us about that what got you into the entrepreneurial focus that you have now <laughs> um so it was actually uh getting really sick um I yeah yeah I'd had this inkling inside of me for uh, probably the last five ten years of my corporate career that like this little voice that was like this has been great but this isn't where you're meant to be anymore you know and I was like oh that that's not convenient <laughs> you know like this is what I went to school for this is what I've worked the last ten to fifteen years for it's just yeah. starting to get to the place where I have some autonomy mm-hmm. uh, so I kept ignoring you know, that little voice that was whispering to me, I I, I call them our whispers of wisdom, like the little thing, you know, that inner voice that's talking to you, that's not convenient to listen to. Um, I kept putting it off and ignoring it and ignoring it. And um, what what actually happened is I, I ended up developing insomnia and anxiety and I, I became physically ill and uh, had to had to go out on emergency medical leave. 
So my body was kind of saying, all right, if you're not going to pay attention, we're going to shut things down until you listen and get aligned, you know, with, um, with what you know to be true as your, as your next step. So that, that time off from work sparked the inspiration to ultimately change directions. Yeah. I I've heard so many stories of people making that transition and it's almost always something with a little bit of trauma in it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, rarely do I hear the, the happy story of someone who just, you know, did it. Usually there's a difficulty and you realize, yes, <laughs> this is not, you know, it's like, I, I know I had my difficulties too. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's never easy to make that decision, but when you make it and you're on the right path, I think, uh, you know, bravo, that, that's, that's how I see it. Um, yeah, you can feel it. I can, yeah, you, you know, when you're, when you're where you're supposed to be. Now, what, yep. on that note, one of the things that I, I was so impressed with you, um, and one of the reasons why I reached out and I was hoping we could talk is because I saw you on a video being so human, so real. You even said in one that you have a confession to make, you know, this is your first time or something. You, you really were very honest about it and, and you, you talked about what you do and how you help people. And you had a lot of people following that conversation. You, you really had earned, I guess you could call it the trust of a lot of people, you know, saying nice things and so on. And, and I usually look for people who are doing what they love. And so I thought I'd reach out to you. Tell us about what you do today. Whom do you serve? How do you serve? How do you help people today? Yeah. So um, one, just thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for the kind words and the acknowledgement. It's, uh, it's still scary for me to share and um, to start to show up more. So knowing that something resonates, um, that something landed, uh, just gives me more fuel to keep going. Um, so my, my focus today um, with 10K Collective, which 10K Collective was inspired by uh, my Angelou quote that was later adapted by Oprah. Mm -hmm. And it, it says, I come as one, I stand as 10,000. Mm. And yeah, I know, right? Oh. I'm like, okay, um, goosebumps, hello, goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, I thought, you know, for so many underrepresented leaders, you know, black, brown, queer women, um, we know that there are others out there, but often in our workplaces, we're the only, um, or we're the first to do something. And we're like, where, where is my 10,000, <laughs> you know, where in my case, like, where is my army of curly headed mixed girls, <laughs> you know, like, like cheering me on and, and pushing me forward. And so I just, I had this idea that um, maybe some of the things that we don't get in our workplaces yet, um, maybe we can create that with one another outside of work. So the goal is to provide the tools and support um, for underrepresented leaders uh, outside of outside of the workplace. Wow. How do you, I mean, first of all, I love that 10K Collective. <laughs> what just a great brand name and, and brand positioning. Um, when you when you meet people who fit your ideal client, if you will, First of all, how do they identify themselves to you? How do they say, I have a problem? 
What does it sound like? What, what challenges are they experiencing? And then how do you uniquely help them? Um, I, I'm asking because, to be honest, I, I mean, I've been a brown person all my life, okay? <laughs> but I don't really know how to go, go somewhere and, and ask for help and say, hey, I, I need help. I, I'm just wondering, how do you find people um, who raise their hands and are ready for help? Yeah, I think, um, I think there's something that happens at a certain point in one's career. Usually it's, you know, 10, 15, 20 plus years in where you've climbed the ladder and you've started to notice that the higher you go, the harder it gets. Mm. Uh, where your continued inclusion and your seat at the table is dependent upon the extent to which you can assimilate. And that starts to take a toll. It, it really starts to weigh on people. And um, again, particularly, you know, black, brown, queer folks, even, um, you know, a lot of companies are still trying to get to gender equity. So sometimes just, um, you know, being a woman means that you're, you're an only. Yeah. And uh, I think what happens for a lot of folks is they reach the point that I did where they start to notice that, that whisper of wisdom, you know, and they start asking what if this isn't it for me anymore? Mm -hmm. Or what if there was something else, but, but they're so far in, they've invested so many years and so much time trying to get to that place mm -hmm. that the idea of where to go next seems impossible or overwhelming. And that's usually the point at which we, we start to have a conversation. Yeah, yeah. No, by the way, I love this listening, listening to the whisper of wisdom inside of you, right? Is that, yeah. sort of, that that's, that's, that's a powerful thing. I also like you your your conversation about the underrepresented people. I, I promised earlier that we talk about COVID nineteen a little bit and what impact that has had on all of us. But I think in this particular community that we're describing, it's been a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more difficult. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. You know, and you mentioned people leaving California. There may be a connection, but what, what's your thought about last year? We're now in 2021. What's your thought about all of that and what it's done to people in general and underrepresented people in particular? I think what it's done to our, our nation as a whole is provided undeniable visibility to an experience that a lot of people had been living with their entire lives, something mm. that was intimately personally known to a lot of folks, black and brown folks in particular. Um, I think what it did was placed that experience kind of front and center uh, so that a lot of other folks started to wake up to the, the experience of populations that they maybe hadn't thought about before. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I've always wondered what it's like to wake up and go, wait a second. <laughs> Actually, um, let me tell you something. My daughter is um, 20 now, but when she was three years old, she came home one day and she said, Daddy, Daddy, I learned something at school. And I'm like, well, what did you learn? She goes, Daddy, Daddy, I'm black. <laughs> and I said, you didn't know that? She's like, no. I said, how did you know? Some girl told me. Someone told me. Someone told me I'm black. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I just wonder what happens when a person realizes, wait a second, either I'm an other or there are people that I don't really know very well, but I see them every day and I, I don't know what they're struggling through. 
How do you help people connect and, and see that we're all human? Oh, gosh. Well, I think, um, I think that connection and the ability to see the humanity in another person, I think it starts with a connection to ourselves and seeing our own humanity. Mm. Um, so in the work that I do, we, we work through a couple of phases of kind of waking up and reconnecting to ourselves. Because so many times in, in a corporate career in particular, you are promoted and rewarded for the extent to which you can ignore yourself, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love that. That, that's good. Um, you know, ignoring the beauty and richness of your identity, ignoring, oh. um, ignoring your body and, you know, your own needs for rest and hydration or a restroom break, you know. So I think the first thing um, is starting with ourselves. And, uh, and we work through uh, a few phases pretty reliably. The first is just awareness, right? Can I start to listen to the whispers of wisdom? Can I start to gain awareness of my thoughts and my emotions and the cues from my body without judgment? Can I, can I just acknowledge, you know, and become aware of what's going on within me. And then next, um, can I start to notice the aspiration that I have? So aspiration and then awareness. There is always something that's calling to someone in, in the folks that I work with. Um, other, otherwise, they wouldn't, they wouldn't need me. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so What's the aspiration and however impossible or far away it seems, can we just get in touch with that and, um, and explore it? And then third, um, aspiration has to be combined with action. So we move from awareness into exploring aspiration and then finally action. And I don't think of it in terms of like setting goals and putting your action plan in place. Mm -hmm. I think of it more as experimentation like taking little baby steps that are maybe different than um, the default pattern that's there and just allowing oneself the space to play around and see what happens. And um, even if we take a step, we take an action that isn't uh, in the direction we want or doesn't get the result we want, it's still information, right? And it gives us an opportunity to, to adjust. So um, yeah, we we work through the phases: awareness, aspiration, and action. Uh, uh, that's that's awesome. Awareness, aspiration. I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I particularly like the uh, aspiration has to be connected or combined with action. It's almost like you know, faith without works is dead. Isn't that how they say that uh, in the old saying? I think it's maybe it's not dead, but faith without works is dead, right? I don't know, but it seems like it would be. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I like yours better. Aspiration has to be combined with action. The nice, a yeah, yeah, alliteration, as they say, right? Um, so, t tell me a little bit about you and your happiness, and 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 how you've discovered yourself in this world of business, right? I, I have this. Uh, I have this thing, little thing called profitable happiness that I can't believe I'm the only one who came up with that, but I've got the domain name and I've registered all <laughs> kinds of, you know, trademarks with it. But I really believe that if we find the thing that makes us happy 
and we take that along with us as we pursue profit in the world. That's the best approach. So you don't wake up rich and miserable, right? Um, so of course, yeah, yeah, you're like, yes. <laughs> That's why I've got my music with me and, and all the things I love to do. So I see you living your life. I see you expressing your particular brand of healing. You're very soft-spoken. I could listen to you and just like be like, ah, oh, I feel better now. I mean, you, you just ah. you bring that calming approach. Unlike me, I'm very excitable, of course, as you can see. But you bring that calming approach to people. It's obviously who you are. You're in a space that is exactly something you've prepared for all your life. Tell us what it feels like to be someone living the life I call profitable happiness. Mm. It feels like freedom. Mm. That's that's one of my words for 2021, and. Um, I think for so many years in my corporate career, you know, we, we talk a lot about um, equity and inclusion in the corporate world. And, uh, and those are, are absolutely essential to creating workplaces that, that work for all. Uh, but for me, that wasn't enough. Um, I got the seat at the table. I got the job. I got the promotion. I got the raise. And I thought that that was going to solve everything. I thought that was going to be what made me happy. Mm -hmm. And I realized that if you have all of those things, but you don't actually have the freedom mm. to the freedom of expression, the freedom of your own lived experience, if you don't have the freedom to chart your own course, choose your direction, share your perspective, it's not really equity or inclusion. And so for me, what I'm doing now, it feels like freedom. Wow. Without freedom, there is no equity. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I've been playing around with an idea, mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's inspired by a, a book that I read that was talking about, it, it kind of asked the question, like, what is equity in a flawed system? Mm. Right? What is that seat at the table? If the system itself causes harm, does it does it not just make one an accomplice, mm. and and or and or perpetuate harm? And so I started to think about for all those years of my career that I was fighting for that seat at the table when I wanted, and and by the way, like this is well deserved, not just me, but tons of women and black and brown folks. Like this is deserved; they should be getting yeah. equal pay and having equity. But, but when I really thought about it, like, what, why was it that I wanted that equity? Why did I want that seat at the table? Mm -hmm. It's because I wanted the freedom that I saw a lot of the middle-aged white guys around me had. Yeah, yeah. I wanted that freedom of expression. I wanted that freedom of knowing that my place was secure. I wanted that freedom to tell my stories, to share how I saw things in the world without worrying. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think... I don't know. I'm a little bit um, kind of down a windy path right now, but freedom, <laughs> like that's, that's the thing I'm after. And, and you know what? I'm going to, as, as I've said, you have a very calming approach to you, but you also have an approach that inspires me to tell you my truth. Um, I don't always say, say this in public, and I never want to be labeled a victim. That's not, you know, where I'm going. But I have experienced exactly what you're describing. 
Um, I remember in my corporate experience wondering why it was that I had earned PhDs, I worked harder than anyone I knew, but I couldn't get past <laughs> this particular area. And it was very simple. Yeah. I couldn't make friends in the right places. I yeah. just wasn't invited to be in the buddy-buddy system. And, and everything I looked at, was it the fact that I'm in a, I'm kind of an opinionated guy, as you can see, I talk and I, you know, am I sort of like a threat to somebody, <laughs> you know? So I wish I had your, your kind of uh, feedback, the kind that you give your clients today. Back then, nobody was there for me to talk to and say, hey, you know, yeah. I don't know what to do. So I'm just so happy that you and others like you exist for those people who are experiencing that. It's tough. But I think freedom is the word because I found my freedom by leaving that environment. Mm -hmm. The environment where I had to depend on other people to, de to define who I, who I am. So I agree with your use of that word. Um, boy, see, now you got me on the couch. I'm, I'm <laughs> telling you. <laughs> no, thank you so much for sharing that. I, like, I'm humbled that you chose to share that. Yeah, I, I do not. I, I try to make it not about me, but I really do want you to know that you are speaking a truth that other people need to really understand that there is hope, right? That if you are feeling this way, raise your hand. Um, there's help. Yeah, yeah. And there's, you know, when we're not getting the support we need at work, um, you know, I know what, what I did is I blamed myself. So I thought it was me, you know, I'm like, well, what's wrong with me? Did Am I not polished enough? Did I not, you know, someone, someone once suggested to me like, well, maybe if you straightened your hair, oh. you know, you would look <laughs> like you would look more professional. Oh um, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like you start thinking, you know, you start internalizing those subtle messages, those little cues of, you know, being an other or of not belonging. And, um, you know, I, I think that, we have to find communities where we are seen and heard, where we are valued and validated, mm. where you don't have to explain your experience. No one's going to question it. It's just believed and honored. And that, I think, has to happen for a lot of us outside the workplace. But finding that community where we have connection and support and, it, and a space to start to find clarity within ourselves is absolutely essential. And again, that that's what inspired 10K Collective was this idea of there being that kind of space, that kind of community for people. You know, in, in your description of yourself, you talk about helping people build legacy um, in alignment with what really matters. Can you yeah. maybe expand on that? What really matters? And what are you referring to with, with respect to legacy? Mm. Well, I think it's different for, for everyone. Um, so I'm not, with clients, I'm not necessarily interested in my version of what legacy should be. I'm interested in what matters most to you. Mm. And I, I did a post recently where I shared, um, and I mean, this is from the early 90s, and I still remember it. So that's how powerful it was. It's a yeah. two and a half minute clip of Toni Morrison having a conversation with Oprah. And she's talking about her to-do list and, and how long and exhaustive it was. And she has 20 or 40, you know, different items. And she's getting ready to take out another page and start this to-do list. And she put it aside and, and decided to make her do or die list. 
the things that she, if nothing else, had to do or else she would die. And she said there were only two things, be a mother and write books. Wow. And (laughs) yeah, so I remember, you know, I mean, this is what, 25 plus years ago, and I still watch it. I still remember that. And so I think, you know, that's a part of our work when it comes to legacy is what is it that matters most? And your answer might be different than mine. And that's beautiful. But each of us, I believe, has something we're meant to contribute. We have something we're meant to offer this world that is is uniquely ours that no one else can do. And it's a beautiful thing to get to explore that with clients. It reminds me of a conversation I had recently about what is your why? Um, Simon Sinek wrote a book, Start With Why, and we were going through this exercise myself and some friends of mine. Um, what is your why? I, what I ultimately want is um, a, a world <laughs> that is free for everyone, mm. like where we, we all have the ability to, um, to be free in our perspective, in our expression, in our identity, uh, that we have freedom to show up. And I think I focus on the workplace experience because it's where we spend such a significant portion of our lives and companies have the ability to influence so much in our society. So if we can create places of work that heal, not harm, then we are on our way to having a society that's truly free. Awesome. Wow. (laughs) What are you most excited about right now? Do you have a project coming up or something you want to share? And then how can people reach you to connect with you, learn from you, maybe even become a client? Yeah, thank you so much for asking. Um, So the thing I'm most excited about right now is, well, two things really. Um, uh, Just starting to play around a little bit more with LinkedIn Live and actually creating that space that that 10K Collective intends to provide. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think the people, you know, someone asked me recently, like, well, don't you think you should be doing this on Instagram? And I thought, you know, I don't think that's where people need it. I I think it's LinkedIn actually is the space where we need it the most. (laughs) Um, So I'm excited about that and also about an audio learning series that I'm creating uh, that will speak to a lot of the things that we've been talking about today that that underrepresented leaders experience and just a a resource for them to support them in in their journey. And the best place to find me these days is, is on LinkedIn. I love getting messages and seeing stuff pop up in my inbox. Love seeing people's comments on what I'm sharing. Um, so that's an easy place to find me. Awesome. And we'll have all of those in the show notes um, under this uh, episode. Jessica, I just want to thank you so much for your honesty. I mean, your, your transparency. Um, and for dragging me into talking about stuff that I try not to talk about. <laughs> Making me tell the truth here. Um, you know, I, I just feel like it's really a good thing when we have a safe space to go, a place where someone can listen and help us heal. Because I think a lot yeah. of us, I'm talking about myself now again, but a lot of us need someone who can help. <laughs> yeah, I think we, you know, we can't prevent the harm in a lot of cases, right? We, 
even if it's just small harms that add up over the course of a career, that we can't change. But what we do have the ability to impact is is the healing part. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest. And I, I can't wait for you to finish that audio on the 10K Collective. <laughs> no. working on. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, have a great day. Oh, my gosh. Thanks so much for having me. All right. We'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks for tuning in to the Profitable Happiness Podcast. For more episodes, visit drpalay.com. And remember, get happy first and success will follow.